Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ continues his God Will series with a message called God Will Provide. One of the benefits as believers in Christ is knowing that our God will look after us in our times of need. He is for us and his plan for us is good. Let's learn to trust him in all things and watch as he takes us from lack to overflowing. We hope you enjoy this message. These things that God will provide. How many of you know that well, the Bible says in Philippians 4.19 that my God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I love when Paul penned those words in Philippians 4.19. What he was talking about, he was branching out in the missions field. He was branching out in the mission field as the beginning of missionaries at that time. And Paul was saying that, hey, I'm going to take a step of faith, and then taking a step of faith, I believe that my God will supply all thy needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many know that God said the gold and the silver is the Lord, and he has everything, that he lacks nothing? God said he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, and whenever you're in need, guess what God can do? He can butcher one of those cows for you. Somebody say amen, right? Our God lacks nothing. If the gold and the silver is his, and the cattle on a thousand hills, hills are his. God can provide all your needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The thing is that God provides, but I want you to get this in your heart. There's a difference of God providing. There's a difference between the wish list and the desires of your heart. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 4 that God will grant you the desires of your heart. The wish list is here today and gone tomorrow. Have you ever been a kid that used to look through the JCPenney catalog or maybe even when Kohl's send their catalog now, their magazine or their ads, you get into the Kohl's ad and first thing you want to do is you want to pull that sticker off there and see what percentage you get, either 20%, 30%, or 15%. And if you get 10%, you're bummed because you're hoping you got the 30%. And you're always looking in that, that article or those ads thinking, I want this, I want that, I wish I could have that. You see, God said, I'll grant you the desires of your heart and not necessarily the wishes of your heart. I've always found that desires are like cream. Cream always rises to the top. That is what a desire is like. It always rises to the top. But a wish will be here today and gone tomorrow because you're forgetting about that wish and you'll move on to something else. So God said, listen, I will grant you the desires of your heart, I will meet your needs, not according to your wishes, your wants, or your excess. I will meet your needs according to where you're at in your life. And that's how faithful God is. And so when Paul says in Philippians 4.19 that he will supply all my needs, he knew that God was a faithful God in the time of his need. That God, I lay my request before you. You know my needs. You know my situation. You know my heart. You know my intentions. You know my motives. It's not just to get and get to get to get, but it's also to get to give. So Paul not only got from God, but he, what he got from God, he gave it out. And so Paul realized that he will do that. But if you have your notes, one of the hopes or benefits that we have of believers in Christ is that we have knowing that our God, our God will look after us in our time of need. That man, I don't know about you, but I, I was so thankful that growing up, yeah, we were poor growing up. We didn't have much. My six sisters and my brother, man, we lived in a bad situation, in a bad place. But my mama and my dad always some way, somehow, 
came through and always had food on the table. Whether it was sometimes maybe you were like us. Man, some of our meals at, at supper time, guess what it was? It was popcorn. It wasn't some steak or, or even, even rice. It was popcorn because it was cheap. We had a lot of it. And that was our supper. But you know what? We left and we walked away from the table full. God always seemed to provide. But see, my mom and dad, I had that assurance that they will take care of us because that was our their responsibility to take care of their son and their daughters. And that's the same way with God. God has a responsibility to take care of you and I because we are his sons and his daughters. The Bible says he who comes to him, he will not cast us away as orphans, but he will come to us. So God's responsibility is to take care of his sons and his daughters. And his sons and his daughters are you. And knowing that God has a responsibility and he loves us and accepts us as his own, that the Bible says in Ephesians that he has adopted us as his sons and his daughters, guess what he has? He has a responsibility to take care of you and I. And because he has a responsibility, guess what that does for me? That gives me hope of knowing that my God's not going to throw in the towel when things are up and when things are down. He's not going to throw in the towel, but he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to make something happen out of nothing. God always, always on time. If you have your notes, God is never too late and he's never too early, but he's always on time. How many can know, know what I'm talking about? God always seems to come through at the right time. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's always on time. The problem is we run on our timetable, and God said, listen, my thoughts, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts and my ways are different from your ways. God, you run on a 24-hour clock, but God's clock keeps eternal. It's every, keeps running ever, forever and ever. Think about this. God says to be with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years with the Lord is like a day. So God's timetable doesn't run on your timetable. All you have to be is be still and know that he's God, that God is making a way where there seems to be no way. It may not be on your time, uh, uh, but he will come through like he always will and always said he will. Uh, you know, throughout the years, I, I love throughout the years of my ministry, I remember many times that God coming through in all the different churches. When we first started our first youth group in, in Merrill, Wisconsin, we started with five kids there, and we had no resources there. And, man, it was just, a, man, a tough time. And we went there, and I was an intern, and finally after my internship, I came back there as a full-time youth pastor. And we didn't have a lot of resources. But, man, you know what? Through the time, God always came through. And our youth group grew from five kids in, in 10 months. We got up to 160 kids. But you know what? In that process, God always somehow, some way, came through in providing. I look at all the buildings that we did, 18 building pro, uh, programs through our course of our ministry. And some way, somehow, God always came through in meeting the needs of putting up a building. When we remodeled the whole church, Church on the Rock, when we did the whole remodel, when we did the parking lot, when we put up the new building, when we did the new thing at Discover Church, and man, how God provided. But some way, somehow, God always came through. And I've always wondered, God, how is that that you always came through? What God showed me, what I want to speak to you about, is being faithful. God comes through as you are faithful to him. You see, you got to do your part, and if you do your part, God then will do his part. Some time ago, when I was in college, I'll never forget this. Jeff, I'll never forget this. By the way, we're going out today, right? Amen. That's a public commercial right from the pulpit. Amen. Jeff, we're going out today, right? 
I don't know we're going to go to the poor house and make it a rich house. I don't know where you guys pick, right? But, but listen, you know what? When I, was, when I was in college, I'll never forget this. Uh, Cheryl and I, we were living in a government home, so our rent was based on our income. And because, man, we were very poor, we didn't have a lot of money. We both were students at North Central, and I was playing basketball and traveling for the school and all what I was doing. So I was working at Augustana Nursing Home, and so things were very, very tight. I'm not kidding you. They were very tight. But I was always faithful. Cheryl was always faithful. And one night, we laid in our bed. I kid you not. I promise you, true story. We laid in our bed, and we just began to cry. God, how are we going to pay our bills? Have you ever felt like that before? Ever, maybe you're feeling like that right now, right? And we laid in bed and we cried. So finally, man, the like, thought came to me that, hey, the only thing that we have of any value, I kid you not, of any value was to sell our class rings. And I don't know about you, man, I cherished my class ring. I worked hard for my class ring. Man, I was a graduate from Racine St. Catharines. Man, I had angels across my class ring because that's what we were, angels, angels, but I was a devil, devil, right? And uh, But I, I was proud of that. My wife, man, she earned her class ring. She had to work for her class ring. It wasn't brought by her parents, so she had to work for hers. And there was some, some, a significant value to our class rings. But the only thing I knew to do was, honey, we have to pawn our class rings. And so you know what we did? We, we went to the pawn shop, and we pawned our class rings. And we, at that time, we probably got 100 and maybe, I don't remember, 100 and some dollars And we thought we were rich, and that was enough to help us get through that time or that period in our lives. But that night after we sold our class rings and I paid off the bills with the money we got, that night the Lord convicted me. And I kid you not, I want to give you this lesson. The Lord convicted me so bad that I laid in that bed and I cried. And God spoke to me and said, CJ, how can you be a preacher and tell others to trust God when you yourself aren't trusting me. You're selling things and you're making things happen your way instead of just being still and knowing that I am God. And I got out of bed, and I'll never forget this. I got out of bed and I started to cry, and I knelt beside my bed. And at that time, we had water beds, so when I got out of bed, Cheryl went out the other side, right? <laughs> I wanted her to get out praying too, right? And I, and, I, and I knelt beside the bed, and I just began to cry. And God convicted me. He said, CJ, this is a lesson that I want you to learn. The lesson was don't take things in your own control, but trust me in the midst of your situation. And I had to repent. And from that experience, God showed me that he will provide. And through the sequence of time, I kid you not, the very next day, man, I shared this story on a Wednesday night. Make it short. Man, for five consecutive days, true story, for five consecutive days, man, through the mail, you remember how they used to have those mail shoots that would, mail would come right into your house right there, right? And so five consecutive days, because I was faithful and I repent and said, God, forgive me, five consecutive days, I got mail and things in the mail, cards, I got a check, whatever, and in excess of over $5,000 that next week came in the mail. And God said, see, I can do what you think I can't do. I can provide those things when you think I can't provide. Stop trying to take everything in control your own way 
and let me get involved. And so many times what happens is we get involved and we try to take control instead of letting God. And what happens is what happened with me and what happens to a lot of us, we let panic get us. We get panic. We get to be a nervous purvis. We get all upset. We get bothered. And all of a sudden out of our panic and out of our nervous, we begin to react. Instead of thinking, we begin to react on our emotions and how we're being squeezed instead of just being still and knowing he is God. And I've learned that lesson that, God, you will provide all our needs. Listen, if we do our part, he will do his part, but better. God will do his part, but better. I love what David says in Psalms 84. I love this verse of Scripture because God has many different characters. He has many different names. Many of you on Wednesday night, we yelled out what God is to us. He is our hope. He's our provider. He's our healer. He's our, he's our, our, our equipper. He's our, all these different things. We talked about what God was on Wednesday night. But when I read this verse of Scripture in Psalms 84, verse 11, it says, these, For the Lord is the Son. You notice he's talking about the son, not the S-O-N. We all want the S-O-N. We love the S-O-N that God says, you're the temple of God. In the S-O-N, the son of God lives inside you. But he's talking about the S-U-N. He said, the Lord is, or God, the Lord is the son. And the shield, the shield to protect and provide protection and, and to wear off the, world, the, the wiles of the enemy, that he's your son and he's your protector. But watch what he says. The Lord bestows favor. I don't know about you, but I pray favor every day. I always pray for God's wisdom, anointing, creativity, and favor. That God do give me favor. If you're taking notes, write this down. Luke 2.52. That God, I'm going to walk in favor with you and favor with man. What is favor? Favor means unmerited blessings, handfuls on purpose. Many of you, God wants to bring a Ruth in your life, a Boaz in your life, that God wants to bring unmerited favor, unmerited blessings in your life. But you can start believing that. You can start expecting that because you walk in favor and God never lets the righteous be forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Today, you walk in the favor of God and God is not a respecter of person, but you have to just be still and know that he's God. And God, you favor me and because you favor me God you will bless me you will help me you will meet my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus somebody say amen that's what God does and he says listen I love turn back that verse watch this I love this he says he bestows favor and honor no good thing no good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blameless those who walk blameless before him God says listen I don't hold back from you. But if you have your notes, look at what it says. Son means provider. As the son provided light, heat, and direction, so does the son of God. That's what he's, David's referring to, that God is the son. What does he do? He provides direction. He provides light. He provides heat. He provides these things in your life. That's the son, the S-O-N. But David's referring to the son as the S-U-N that burns us, that gives us the vitamin B that we need in our lives, that gives us strength, that gives us health, that keeps us awake at night, that we, man, we have that vitamin, and then we're happy, happy, happy. I need more vitamin D, amen? I'm not talking about going to a tanning booth, right? But he says he's a shield. He's a shield to protect. He protects you from the situations of life, which you may be in. That God protects you. David goes on to share that the Lord bestows favor and honor for those who believe in him and honor his ways. 
So in other words, if you have your notes, look at In other words, the Lord blesses or meets all the needs of those who love and follow him. Who love and follow him. Remember those words, because as we get further on in this, love and follow him. You see, what is God's will? And you have this on your thing. When I wrote this down, I thought it was so cool. God's will. God's will is what? God's will is good. Very good. It's good. God's, God's will is a good will. His will is only good and always good. I love that. It's always good. I look, I, he never holds out on us. How many can say amen to that? He never holds out on us. You know, the other day, I just had my grandkids, as Cheryl said, my grandkids were here. I don't know if my son is here. He's supposed to be here today. I don't know if he is. But my son and my, my grandkids came up by us by their cabin, and I brought these M&Ms just the other day. I brought these little snack pack little M&Ms. There's only like about five of them in, right? And so I asked my cannon, I said, Cannon, give me a couple of those peanut M&Ms. So he gives me one. I said, Cannon, you got a whole bag there. Papa, these are mine. That's not what I paid for them. But he only gave me one. You see, that's not how God is. God doesn't withhold from you. When you give to God, God in turn blesses. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Luke 6, 38. That God takes what you give him and he gives it back to you a hundredfold, sixty-fold, and a thirtyfold. That's what God does. He blesses. In Psalms 34, verse 8, 8 through 10, I love these words because, man, this is David again. David had an intimate relationship with God, and because he had an intimate relationship with God, he really had that experience with God. He knew what he was all about. The Bible says that David was the Lord's best friend, that David stood closer to him, man, like, like a brother that gave it, was always connected with God. He said this, taste and see, this is what David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. In other words, Lord, I align myself up to you. He said, fear the Lord. Not a, not a fear about being afraid, but a fear of respect and awe and honor of him. There's a difference between being afraid, of being afraid of him, that, man, I can't approach him. He's going to beat me, flog me, whatever. No, it's a respect. He said, fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So in other words, what he's saying, for those who fear him, you lack nothing. Now, I want to tell you this. What happens a lot of times, now I want you to get this in your, in, in, from your pastor. If you have a Volkswagen budget, you don't go into a Cadillac budget. What happens with a lot of people, and I counsel with a lot of people, and I'm, I, I love to, I, I'm a budget guy, and man, I, I, I do a lot of different things, but the key is, here's the deal. What happens with Christians, I call them crisis Christians. And what I mean by that, crisis Christians, is living from week to week or paycheck to paycheck. And the reason what happens is, I call them crisis Christians because they wanted to exceed their Volkswagen budget and get to a Cadillac budget, and they went above their budget, and now they become a crisis Christian that God help me, help me, help me. And God said, when does it stop? And we got to use common sense. We have to realize and recognize and listen that you're going to eventually get there, but it might not be today. It could be tomorrow. I did a study on, on retail stores, and maybe you read the same study. I read a study on retail stores, and retail stores love to get you. And here's how they love to get you. They love to use the word sale. 
How many know what I'm talking about? They love to use the word sale. And if you see the word sale, all of that, your mind triggers that, hey, I'm getting a good deal. And so Cheryl and I, after reading this article, it wasn't too long after that, we went to a store that was going out of business. I kid you not. We went to a store that was going out of business, and they had all these sale things on it, right? And they put new tags on it, new sale prices on it. And so what I did is they, they put the tag over the original tag. So what I did is I, I peeled back the, old, the new tag that they put on there, and I seen under the new tag that they put on there, it was actually more expensive than the original tag. But people were flooding the store, buying things because of the word sale. And so a lot of times what we do is we get sale in our minds and we lose conscience of what we should be doing and not doing. And so because it says sale, it's a buy right now. And we go beyond our means. And so what happens, we become a crisis Christian to a crisis God. That God, you got to help me in my need, God. I, I, I can't afford this. But God gives us common sense. He said, if any of us lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gets graciously without finding fault. So what God wants us to do, he wants us to make wisdom. He wants us to make right decisions before we make emotional decisions. And a lot of times that's what we do. Some time ago, when I first got into boating, uh, Cheryl and I, we've had a boat forever now, but when I first got into boating, I'll never forget, there was a sign, sail, and it was in Grand Junction, Colorado, and my wife remembers this. I'll never forget, I got the word sail, Rhonda, caught in my mind. I, I, I went up and I went to this boat place, and I brought this boat, and I kid you not. I brought this boat. I was excited about it. I put it on payments, man. And I was so proud of it. I brought this boat. And not that it was wrong or anything, but it was way out of my budget. I, I went, man, I was man, living on, you know, already red beans and rice as it was. And, but yet what happened was they made the payment so enticing. And so I brought this boat. I got it home, and I really looked over my, my payment plan. And this boat was 25-year payments. I'm not kidding you. And I'm reading the fine print. All I got is my emotions were in it, right? 20, yeah. My wife said, don't do it. But my, my emotions. And you know what happened? What happened was I went and I signed the papers. And you know what I did? I parked that boat. I was so proud of that boat. I parked it right in front of my, no kidding, right in front of my bedroom window. And I'd get up when I had, when I had to go to the bathroom, I'd look out there, that's my boat. But you know what happened? About 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord convicted me. And you know the salesman, when he sold me that boat, he was so happy, man. He was great. He loved me, whatever. About 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord convicted me to take that boat back. So the next day that morning, I took that boat back, didn't even get it in the water. I took it to that same salesman who loved me, who, man, was happy that I brought a boat. Man, he gave me all kinds of words. Now he couldn't stand me. And the Lord said, CJ, just be still. And what happened was I was becoming a crisis Christian. And God said, listen, I'll provide your needs, but I give you wisdom in working out your situations so you can make right decisions so you don't become a crisis Christian. I will provide, but I'm not your Santa Claus that comes to you every time you want to rub the genie in the bottle. We have to make right decisions. 
We have to do right things, you see? So he says in Psalms 34, verse 8 and 10, he says, go ahead, next verse, verse 10. He says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, once again, lack no good thing. So that God says, you lack no good thing. If you seek me. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. So there's steps that you have to take. God, I'm going to seek you. And in my seeking now, this is where you have to be pay attention. In seeking the God, what do you usually seek him for? You should always seek him for wisdom, guidance, direction, protection, provision. But in seeking God, you also have to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God speaks, but are you listening? Are you blowing the stop signs when he speaks? Ask and it shall be given. Ask within you mean. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask a myth. So you don't get what you want. And sometimes we ask above our means, and then we put ourselves as a crisis Christian in the hands of a crisis God. And if he don't help us in our situation, then we give up on God, and we get mad at God. And God said, listen, I gave you common sense to make right decisions. I will provide for you, but not when you're always walking through crisis and blowing the stop signs when you seek me, and I tell you what to do and what not to do. Somebody say amen. amen. Right? So listen, so God said you lack no good thing. As we as believers in the Lord must take refuge in the Lord, doing, giving, and being what he is calling us to do. It's not, what, it's not by works that you've been saved. It's by grace. But out of our relationship with him, we desire to do his will in our lives. That God is not by works that I've been saved, but it's out of my relationship with you. I love you, God, and because I love you, I want to do what's right for you and with you. His asking of you is only to see how you will respond to his calling of you. That's what he does. When you're asking of him, he wants to see what you're going to do. I love this. Blessings came by walking in right standing with God. So the first start, step of walking with God is that, man, God, I got to walk upright with you. That, God, I'm going to walk in right standing with you. That's the first step to entering into God's blessing. It only starts when you give your heart to him. Then the test come. Will you be obedient and trust in him? You notice what happens? When my kids were growing up, my wife and I, how many of you know you give out your kids allowance? I don't know about you, but we gave our kids allowance. And it wasn't for what they did. It was to train them and help them to be disciplined. And so what we did is every week we start out giving our kids 10 dimes. And they didn't get it right away, but they had to do their things through the course of the week. And it started out 10 dimes. So parents, if you have kids, let me just give you a, a nugget what really taught my kids. And so we gave them 10 dimes. And what happened was it's not by works again that you've been saved, but it's by grace. But what we did is we taught our kids that CJ, Rick, and Heidi, we will give you all these 10 dimes at the end of the week if, you do what is required. So guess what happened? CJ would do his chores, and Heidi would do his chores, and Rick would do part of his chores. And so because he would do part of his chores, we'd take away a couple of his dimes. And at the end of the week, maybe CJ and Heidi would get a dollar, but Rick would get 70 or 80, or 80 cents. And he would say, Dad, why is that? Rick, you didn't follow through with what you're supposed to do. So in other words, you have to do steps to earn what you're doing. Now, 
How many of you know that you ain't going to go to work and do it for free? You go to work, and hopefully you get a paycheck. But if you miss a day of work, there's an ouch in your paycheck when you get paid. But you only get paid when you go to work, right? So when our kids got their 10, 10, their 10 dimes, we taught them three things. We taught them, number one, how to manage money. That we wouldn't let our kids buy things until they had the money. So they, it doesn't seem like a lot of money for them at that time, but they don't buy big things. The bigger you get, the bigger toys you get, right? But when they're little, hey, a 10-cent piece of candy, I can handle that, right? So we taught them how to manage their money. The second thing we did, we taught them how to save. You see, always, listen, always remember this. It's easy to obtain. It's easy to obtain. Man, you can obtain everything, but it's harder to maintain. So we taught them how to save. But you know what the greatest thing we did? We taught them how to tithe or to give. So our kids today took that principle, manage. We taught them how to save. We taught them how to tithe. And now that's why our kids today, God has blessed them. Because they put those principles in the practice in their own personal lives. You see, listen, God wants to bless you. But you and I know that when you get a cereal box and it says a free toy in there, no, all they did is raise the price of that cereal. Nothing's free. Right? With God, God doesn't expect you to work it out. He expects you to, out of your relationship, that you're going to love him, and out of your relationship, you're going to walk it out. So in walking it out, oh, look at this. Some examples of God's provision. Look at how the provision came. And I want you to see this, because if we apply these principles to our lives, that's when God will get in your boat. That's when God will begin to bless you. You can't expect something for nothing. You have to do your part. And here are these men of God, heroes of faith, Hebrews 11, where it talks about all the heroes of faith. They had to do their part. And the first thing was Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed God. You see, God speaks to us, but are you obeying him in the situations? Are you obeying him what you should do and what you shouldn't do? Are you a crisis Christian and going ahead and blowing the stop signs when God tells you no? But Abraham obeyed God. And look what he says in Genesis chapter 22. He says this, Abraham obeyed God. He said, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am, he replied. Now watch what he said. He said, Then God said, take your son, a son that they've been believing for for a long time, that Sarah even laughed at God and said, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Something that you gave so precious to me, God. He said, now, take your son and your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah, sacrifice him there as a brunt offering on a mountain I will show you. In other words, you're saying, God, are you telling me to take what you're just giving me? But God tested them to see sometimes what happens, you hold on to something more dear that you have maybe physical or material than you hold on to God. And God said, listen, I don't want second place. I want first place in your life. You said that's why he said in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. God doesn't want second place. He wants first place. And first place comes by God. I will be obedient to the call in which you have for me. That's what God says. God will test you to see if you love something more than him. Are you obedient to God? Am I obedient in in my tithes and my offering? Am I obedient to when God says no? And am I listening to the voice? 
Disobedience brings curses. Read it in Deuteronomy 28. Disobedience brings curses, but obedience brings blessings. I love the book of Deuteronomy 28. Disobedience brings curses. And when you blow the stop sign, you know what happens. You're going to maybe have an accident. You're going to cause a casualty or whatever else that could be in your life if you blow a stop sign. And what happens, God wants to say, are you going to be obedient Are you going to listen to my voice? You see, a call to obedience is letting go of anything that holds you back from following the Lord. What's holding you back? Totally from following God. What do you love more than the Lord? You see, listen, what we hold on to now is only temporary, but what we get in heaven is going to be eternal. It's going to last forever. That, God, I want more of you and less of me. That's why Paul said, I die daily, God, so that I may know you. John the Baptist said, I decrease that you may increase. Lord, that you may come alive in me, that I can have more of you and less of me. Because, God, that's all that matters. Solomon wrote, he said, it's like a chasing after a wind, that everything that we gather and everything that we get in life, it's like a chasing after a wind. But what the wisest man on the planet learned, that if I follow after God in being obedient to him, that then the blessings come down, and God will honor me as a man of God, and on his tombstone, it writes, I, Solomon, was a man of God who was obedient and following after him. What is your tombstone going to read? Are you following God? Oh, hallelujah. Obedience to the Father brings blessings and provision, even when we don't see it. In Genesis 22, Verses 15 through 18, I love what he says. And he says these words and how he talks about, man, how he sacrifices his son. He said, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities and their armies. All because he was obedient. Listen, folks, provision comes by being obedient to God. Provision comes. How many of you can remember when your mom and dad told you to do something, and when you did it, they were happy and they blessed you? How many of you can remember when you didn't do it, and they were mad and upset, and they spanked you? It's the same way with God. When you say, Lord, I'm just going to be obedient to you. Listen, 1 Samuel 15.22, to obey is better than a sacrifice. i got to quickly move on here. Elijah. Next, next one. Elijah trusted God's word. You see, God's word is established. Have you ever noticed what the Lord said? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass. God's word is established forever. It's established forever. And he put it there for a reason. And the Bible says, do not add or subtract from the word of God unless you be rebuked. You see, we can't pick and choose what we want and what we don't want. We have to take it all in. And Elijah trusted God. In 1 Kings 17, for the sake of time, I don't have time to read it, but he said, but now Elijah, I'll read it, the Tespite from Tespite and Gilad, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years, except by my word. In other words, there was a drought. There was a drought. Then he goes on. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the key of the cave of the ravens, east of the Jordan. You will then uh, will drink from the uh, brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. 
Man, can you imagine those dirty birds? I don't know about you, but ravens, blackbirds, are, they're a mess. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They're a big predator to the eagles. The eagles think they're oppressed. My point is, Elijah trusted God in his word. Do you trust God? Do you trust him enough to provide? You see, I love this. God never said how. God never said how he would provide, but he said he would provide. Your God will provide. But are you obedient? Do you trust him? Trust is letting go of your rights, will, and opinions, and willing following him. You see, the reason why we don't trust, let down by others in the past, God hurt, got hurt when we did trust, felt God let us down in the past, so now you haven't given up. Lastly, as I close, the boy gave. And when the Lord put this on my heart, the boy gave, is exactly what he did. He was the boy. Ever notice how Jesus tells us to come to him? as little children. The boy came with his lunch in John chapter 6. You can read that there later on, but for the sake of time, he brought two loaves and five fishes. Five loaves and two fishes, excuse me. But he knew his God. God can take your little and make it much. What you hold on to is all you're going to have. What you hold on to is all you're going to have. But what you let go of, God can take and multiply. God can take and multiply. One little seed that you put in the ground of corn produces two ears. 130, 60 full. God will provide. But are you doing your part? Are you being obedient? Are you trusting? Are you being like the little boar? Part of being righteous before the Lord is given even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. God can take what you give him and make it much more. In Malachi chapter 3, it's the only time where God tells you to test him. It's the only time God says, don't test the Lord, don't tempt me, as he said in James. But only one area where God says to test him. Because God knows that if he can get to a man's pocketbook, he got to your heart. And he only tests us in one area. And he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that they may have food in my house. Test me in this. Test me, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will never be enough room to store it. What God is saying Will you be that little boy? Step out in faith. Stop looking at your lack and look at him. And he will replace your lack if you're obedient. To obey is better than the sacrifice. We want all God's provision, which we all do. But we also have to do our part. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you. God will provide. But are you being obedient? Are you trusting? And are you being that little boy? Are you willing to give up your lunch for maybe for the sake of others? Are you willing to extra to go the extra mile to do what God has called you to do? You see, listen, he will keep 
pestilence and the pests and things that steal from you to stop stealing. He will keep them from you. He will keep them from you. But guys, don't just expect God to become a crisis Christian, become a crisis God when you're in a situation. Make sure that you're trusting God, being obedient to God, and being faithful to God. And that's when God will bless you. God will provide for you. Will you stand for me today? Look at that, 1130, Andrew. Check it out. Getting good. Cut out a lot of stories today, man. Hey, tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to do something special tonight if you want to join us. Our brother, Jeff Jorgensen, is not doing good. And uh, we just got an update on Jeff, and he's having some real bad situations in his lungs, and he's having blood in his stool, and he's having some real complications right now. And it's a time for the church to come together. So tonight at 6 o'clock, Pastor Carolyn will be directing prayer at the church on behalf of our brother Jeff Jorgensen and Val. And so if you'd like to come and join us for prayer tonight at 6 at the church, uh, they'll be there praying. We need to stand in a gap. Stand in a gap for our brother. We love Jeff so much. And uh, he, he's my brother. I love that man. I've been down back and forth. I think I've been living in the cities more than I've been living here. My car has got a GPS that just automatically goes to the hospitals. I've been going back and forth to hospitals these last two weeks. I think I put on, I don't know, several thousand miles, it seems like. A lot of gas um, seeing people in the hospital. But we're going to lift up our brother Jeff. This morning, as you're standing today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to trust God, to be obedient to God, to be that little one for God. I want to pray over you. I, I just feel this. God, I could just go on, Jerry. God, how God is blessed. Just, And I want to speak those blessings in you. I... All right, I can just go on how God has blessed Cheryl and I. But I want to speak it in you. Got to get a hold of it, Bill. Daniel, you got to get a hold of it. God wants to bring blessings to your house. There's a miracle in the house. God can take your little oil and your little flour and give you provision until the drought's over if you read about the, the widow with her two sons. And I believe today that God wants to break the back of lack. I really believe this today. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart that if you're going through a financial struggle, when I pray this prayer, I believe that right now, I, I know it without a shadow of doubt. Adam, when I was in my prayer time, God showed me physically changed, Gail, broken off people. And if you're going through a financial struggle right now, it's your new beginning. And if that's you, when I pray these words, you believe right now. You believe. Don't you walk with hesitation, maybe, maybe, could, or should. You already got your reward. I want some woods. I know that I know that I know that my God's going to meet my needs. I won't pray over you. And if you need prayer at the end of service, there's going to be the prayer warriors here for people for praying for you. Maybe you got a financial situation, or maybe you're going through some struggles. But at the end of prayer, this prayer, I want my prayer partners. Will you start when you're making your way out right now? Just my prayer partners are prayer people that work at the altars. Make your way out. And I'm going to pray this prayer. As they, <laughs> I kind of feel a little discombobulated right now, Tom, because I know God wants to do something miraculously. 
I believe that. I believe that right now. I feel it, man. If you saw, I'm telling you, Terry, I feel it so strong. Get ready. Miracles coming to your house. It's coming to your house. It's coming to your house. I believe that with all my heart. I believe. I feel it, Terry. Man, if I could pray over every one of you, I have this anointing right now, I feel. I'm not kidding you. Matt, I promise you. I promise you, it's, it's just God wants to do unlock. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? If you had prayer and after this prayer, if you need prayer after this prayer, I want you to come and let these people pray with you, but get ready. He's going to unlock you right now. I sense it so strong. I'm like, whoo. I want to come to All right. Well, it's over. Man. I love you guys so much. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I got to get my composure. God's all over me right now. I promise you. All right. Come here, honey. Come on. Man, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to do. Woo. I got to change direction here. I haven't felt like this in a long time. Woo. I'm sorry. I want you to, all of us, the Lord's at these altars right now. I know maybe you don't like coming to the altars, but as a church, let's come to these altars right now. I'm going to pray over you right now. Holy Spirit's right here. I'm telling you, it's real strong. Just make your way. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want to pray over you right now. Man. Oh, my. so strong. My athlete there, man. How's time? You ready? God bless you. No more lack. No more struggle. Father, I don't know what's happening right now, Lord. I haven't felt like this in a long time. But I know, God, you are doing a work right now. I break off every lack right now in Jesus' name. I speak increase into every household here right now. Whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, God, God, 
I speak it into being right now. I call those things as though they were. I break the back of whack right now. I pray, God, that you will fill their vats to full and running over. I love these people so much, God. And I pray, God, that you will touch, heal, and bless in the name of Jesus. We thank you that, God, your arm is not too short to save, nor your ear too dull to hear, that you hear the cries of the righteous today. And I pray for supernatural abundance and miracles, the ravens and the, and the, and the, and the quail to come to their place. That, Lord, you make it happen. Miracles, signs and wonders to follow for those who believe. And God, you're a miracle working God. So today we can expect, believe, and receive in Jesus' name. I speak that into being in every household right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, believe for your harvest right now. Come on, right now, just call it out. I believe it. I believe it, God. Fill it up. Fill it up, Lord. Fill it up. Lord, fill it up, Lord. Meet the needs. Miracles. Miracles in the house. Miracles in the house. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Bless these individuals. Thank you for this wonderful church. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, now let's give the Lord praise. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.